Good morning. Again, welcome to New Life. If you don't know me or here new or watching online for the first time, I'm Pastor Chris. In fact, one of the greeters was a little bit of a smart aleck last night. He said, oh, you're the new guy. You're preaching, huh? Because I haven't preached for five weeks. Um, the co- last couple weeks of January, we had a great end to our Experiencing Prayer series as Pastor Brad and Pastor Mark Geppert brought uh, amazing messages. And Nancy and I were away in Texas on a, uh, actually a pastor's retreat. And then we went away to Mexico for a few days for vacation. And then the last two weeks... Pastor Alex and Pastor Mark Lutz have done an outstanding job of opening up our Experiencing Generosity series. I loved what Pastor Alex reminded about using our time. He said we need to invest our time with God, with wise people, and with serving other people in need. Of course, we can spend our time, and when we spend it, it's just gone. But when we invest it, it makes a difference here and now, but it also stores up treasure in heaven. We're going to talk about that next weekend. I'll I'll be talking about that as we close out the series. But then last week, Pastor Mark told about that brain study, you know, about the amygdala light up when we give, uh, especially when we do uh, giving to somebody in particular, somebody that we know. And I just had to smile because I always love it whenever science catches up to God. And good science always does catch up to God. So today, we're going to talk about the third of the four T's, and that third T is touch. Now, uh, I've been going to church all my life, pretty much, and I only knew about three T's of generosity. The three T's of generosity were time, talent, and treasure. But several years ago, we worked ourselves through this book called um, The Generosity Factor. It was by Truett Cathy, the founder of Chick-fil-A, and Ken Blanchard, and that's where we discovered this fourth T, the T of touch. And so what we're going to talk about today is whether... Appropriate touch is actually something that should be considered the fourth T of generosity. And uh, the way that we're going to do that is I'm going <laughs> to tell a story from my early days. I mean, when I'm talking early, I was four years old. And the reason I know this happened is because my brother Tom is 14 years older than me, so he was 18. He could actually remember this stuff. My uncle Leonard got married when he was 33. And he married Aunt Gladys, and Aunt Gladys was a little older than him. She had been married before. She had a daughter who actually had a daughter. So Uncle Leonard, on one day, got to be a husband, a stepdad, and a step-grandpa all on the same day. Now, Aunt Gladys was a little different. And I'm not trying to disparage the lady. We all have relatives who are a little different, right? Well, the first thing was Aunt Gladys called Uncle Leonard Ralph. And I'm like four years old, so I'm thinking, why in the world doesn't she even know her husband's name? So... I, realized, I didn't realize this until I was a little bit older, but Uncle Leonard's name was actually Ralph Leonard Gromley, and he was named after his dad, whose name was obviously Ralph, so they called him Leonard so they could keep the two. So actually, Aunt Gladys wasn't weird when it came to what she called her husband. Ralph was just fine. But here's where it was weird. Uncle Leonard and Aunt Gladys would come to Gypsy, and when they did, Aunt Gladys would always call for Ken and me, or else we'd go out to Cleveland and visit with them, and she would call for Ken and me, and then she would grab me by the cheeks, and she would pull me up close and kiss me right on the lips. Oh, yuck. I mean, four years old, think about that. It was awful. What do you call that appropriate touch? That's a really good question. In fact, here's the question. What is appropriate touch and what isn't? Because after all, if we're going to add appropriate touch as a fourth T in experiencing generosity, then we need to make sure it deserves to be there. Does appropriate touch qualify as something that we want to be generous with in our lives? And to answer that question, we're going to turn to this morning's take-home point. And if you follow along on the outline, it'll be in the, it's on the outline. And if you uh, don't know what a take-home point because you've never been here before, it's the one point we make in our message from Scripture that we want us to take home and think and pray about and live out in the week ahead. So here it is. Appropriate touch 
produces miracles. Appropriate touch produces miracles. That's a bold statement, isn't it? I mean, that doesn't really get much bolder than that. We're saying that when somebody touches somebody appropriately, it can produce miracles. Now, let me tell you, when Aunt Gladys would grab my cheeks and pull me in close and kiss me, that was not a miracle. I'll tell you that. In fact, my brother Ken was a couple years younger than me. When I knew Aunt Gladys was walking through the door, I put him in front of me, you know, because I wanted him to at least have to break, you know, that, that whole weirdness. And, and as I got older, four, six, eight, even 10, I didn't really want to get kissed on the lips by my Aunt Gladys. I wanted to kick her in the shin. But my mother told me, honey, that's just the way she shows you that she loves you. Oh, that's what she was doing. I thought she was trying to embarrass me to death or make me gag. That's what I thought. And really, I want you to understand. I'm going to say something right now. It's going to be up on the screen. It's sort of a powerful statement. And I'm not trying to be indelicate here, but we really need to understand this when it comes to touch. And here it is. Our sexual parts and our caring parts are together, and we must know the difference. Our sexual parts and our caring parts are together, and we must know the difference. And think about that statement. That's why when Aunt, Aunt Gladys kissed me on the lips, with her lips, you know, like, I, I know that that's something that, like, adults do whenever they love each other, like, in a different kind of way than you're supposed to love each other when you're little. But my Aunt Gladys didn't mean anything by that. It wasn't like that at all. She really was just trying to show her love and care for me. In the same way, when a husband and wife hug each other, I mean, it can just be an expression of caring, but it can also be a, a sexual thing because God made us that way. And so here's the thing. When I hug one of you, because I hug a lot of you on the weekend, that's simply an expression of love and care. And we need to know the difference. We really need to know the difference of what kind of touch is what kind of touch because here's the thing. Some of us have been touched inappropriately in our lives, so much so that it's almost impossible for us to experience any kind of touch in a positive way. Because all of us start out as fallen human beings, we all need the touch of Jesus, his loving, caring touch in our lives. Because just as we can misuse the gifts of time, talent, and treasure, you know, spending them, wasting them, abusing them, instead of investing them and multiplying them for the kingdom of God, so can the, the gift of touch can be misused. So what we're going to do right now is we're going to turn to the Bible, which is what we always do. We want to anchor everything that we say here in the Scriptures to the Gospel of Mark. If you're not familiar with the Bible, the Bible has an Old Testament. We call it the Old Testament. Most Protestants call it Old Testament. simply means it's the account of God from the creation up until the time of Jesus. And then there's a New Testament, which is about one-third of the Bible. It's found in the back of the Bible, if you have a Bible. And the four Gospels are the accounts of Jesus' life, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We're going to turn to Mark today. We're going to turn to Mark chapter 1, verse 40, and we're going to see about this time when Jesus did something incredible with the gift of touch. Before we do that, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your goodness and love. We thank you so much for Jesus' example, which is a perfect example in every situation. As we turn to your word today, open our minds and our hearts, our spirits and our souls, that we can receive your truth, and then that we can live it out with love and truth in our daily lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So a lot happens in the first 39 verses of Mark chapter 1. We are introduced to John the Baptist, who is the guy who prepared the way for Jesus. And then Jesus comes on the scene, and he's about 30 years old, and he gets, he gets baptized by John the Baptist. And then he comes out, and the Holy Spirit comes. And then he goes out in the wilderness. He gets tempted by the devil. And then he preaches his very first message. And this is what Jesus said. Jesus said, 
The time promised by God has come at last, Jesus announced. The kingdom of God is near. Repent of your sins and believe the good news. John the Baptist had also said for everybody to repent, which means if you're going this way, away from God, to repent is simply to turn around and come back to God. So John had said, repent, get ready for Jesus to come. But Jesus added something. He said also repent or turn away from sin and back to God. But he said, because I have some good news. And the good news was about a whole new life. That's what Jesus came to do. And people heard the good news and they received it. In fact, in Mark chapter one, the first 39 verses, Jesus calls his first four disciples. And those are Peter, Andrew, James, and John. And then Jesus goes into the synagogue on you know, the Sabbath and he preaches. And while he's preaching, there's a guy with a demon and Jesus casts the demon out of the guy. And then after that, Jesus goes to, sits at the home of uh, Peter's mother-in-law, actually. She's sick, so he heals her. Then they start bringing all these sick people, and Jesus heals everybody. Everybody in the town that was sick, Jesus heals. You would think after a day like that, the next morning, Jesus would probably sleep in a little bit, right? But no. Actually, what Jesus did the next morning is exactly what Pastor Alex told us we should do a couple weeks ago. He invested time with God his heavenly father. In fact, he got up early in the morning while it was still dark. He went out to pray. And when the disciples finally woke up, they look around, no Jesus. So they go looking for Jesus. They finally find Jesus out praying somewhere out in the, you know, out in the solitary place. And they say, hey, Jesus, everybody's looking for you. Come on back to Capernaum. We got to start the church, man. It's not exactly what it said, but it's sort of like that. Okay. And so Jesus says, no, because he has spent time with his heavenly father. He knows his purpose. He says, no, we're going to go on to the other towns. So I can tell the good news there. That is why I have come. And it's at that very moment that we pick up here in Mark chapter 1, verse 40. If you have your Bible or your Bible app open, 1 verse 40. If, if not, it'll be up on the screen. And this is what happens. It says, a man with leprosy came and knelt in front of Jesus, begging to be healed. If you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean, he said. Moved with compassion, Jesus reached out and touched him. I am willing, he said, be healed. Instantly, the leprosy disappeared and the man was healed. Then Jesus sent him on his way with a stern warning. Don't tell anyone about this. Instead, go to the priest and let him examine you. Take along the offering required in the law of Moses for those who have been healed of leprosy. This will be a public testimony that you have been cleansed. But the man went and spread the word, proclaiming to everyone what had happened. As a result, large crowds soon surrounded Jesus, and he couldn't publicly enter a town anywhere. He had to stay out in the secluded places, but people from everywhere kept coming to him. So a leper came to Jesus for Jesus to heal him, and the first thing Jesus did was touch him. Now, why would I make a big deal about that? Because in Jesus' day, if someone had leprosy, nobody touched that person. No one touched somebody with leprosy. In fact, if you were diagnosed with leprosy, you had to leave your home, leave your family, go outside the town, and you had to stay 50 yards away from anybody who didn't have leprosy. And you had to, when somebody who was clean came along, you had to shout, unclean, unclean, just so people would know what you were. You were a leper. And you could not be around the people. So the man's desperation is apparent from what we read first. It says, a man with leprosy came and knelt in front of Jesus, begging to be healed. If you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean, he said. So the man broke Moses' law by coming close to Jesus and kneeling down in front of him. But he didn't care. 
He had heard about Jesus, obviously. He knew that Jesus had the power to heal, and he said, if you're willing, you can heal me. The man had confidence that Jesus was the solution to his problem. And in most English translations, the next word we read are um, Jesus filled with compassion, Jesus filled with pity, or some word that expresses Jesus' compassion or kindness. But there are a few of the early Greek manuscripts, and Mark was originally written, as all the Gospels were, in Greek. And in the original Greek manuscripts, there are some that say this, filled with anger, Jesus reached out. Now, why would Jesus be filled with anger instead of compassion? That's a really good question. And here's a little thing about interpreting Greek manuscripts. I know all of you are going to go home and do this this afternoon, right? But anyway, when you interpret the Greek manuscripts, what you do is you realize, okay, remember, when Mark wrote down his gospel, there was how, how many of those were available? One. Just one. And so a scribe would write down the whole manuscript. And, and so then somebody else would write it down, somebody else would write down, because there were no printing presses, nothing like that. So some, sometime a scribe, who they were very faithful to write down what they saw, but they read the Greek word, orgistes, which means filled with anger. And they say, wait a minute, that must be splagnistes. He must have meant splagnistes, filled with compassion. Because why would Jesus be angry? And, and nobody would read filled with compassion and change it to filled with anger, right? But it's possible that Jesus was filled with anger. Well, it doesn't really matter. The bottom line is it doesn't matter whether Jesus was filled with compassion or anger. What matters is this. Jesus reached out and touched him. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the leper. According to Mosaic law, the moment that Jesus did that, he became unclean. He also had to go out into the secluded places, which is what it says happened, he also had to go out, and he would have to stay unclean. He, people weren't allowed to come to him. It sort of didn't stop them. It says they went out to the secluded places, and they found Jesus. So here's the thing. Jesus didn't care that he became unclean when he touched that guy because he knew that this man had probably not received any kind of physical touch for days, weeks, months, or years. Could you imagine being that man? Imagine being a man. You're, and actually, if it's truly leprosy, because there's other kinds of skin disease, but truly leprosy, the guy's fingers are probably falling off, his toes are falling off, he's going to die, and he doesn't have anybody around him. But Jesus goes up to him, and, and to use Pastor Alex's expression from a couple weeks ago, Jesus sat in the mud with the guy. He reached out his hand and touched him. And even if Jesus hadn't healed the man, that would have been a miracle. Because nobody else in the culture would do that. No one else except for Jesus would have reached out his hand and touched the man. So to be a leper in Jesus' day was to miss out on the wonderful gift of physical touch that God has given us so that we can show love and care and, yes, even express our sexuality in the bonds of marriage. So Jesus was moved with compassion or anger. We don't know. But he didn't stop at a feeling. He acted. This is the key point. He reached out his hand and touched the man. Imagine being him. Imagine Jesus, the son of the living God, saying, literally, I feel you. I get you. I know what it's like to be in your sandals and coming alongside of him and touching him. And all that was communicated through that simple act of touch. But it didn't stop there. What did Jesus say next? I am willing. Be healed. Instantly, the leprosy disappeared and the man was healed. Jesus didn't have to touch the man to heal him. You know, there are times in the Gospels where someone comes to Jesus and says, for example, a Roman centurion comes to Jesus and says, my servant is sick at my house. Could you heal him? And Jesus says, sure, I'll come over to your house. And, Jesus, and the guy goes, you don't have to come to my house. 
All you have to do is say the word and he'll be healed. And, and Jesus said the word and the man was healed from a distance. So Jesus didn't have to touch the man to heal him. So why did he? Because he wanted the man to know he was still a man. He wasn't just a leper. He wasn't just unclean. He was still a human being who deserved to have the physical touch of another human being. Just like my Aunt Gladys grabbed me by the cheeks and pulled me in and kissed me on the lips, what she was doing was saying, you matter, Chris, I love you. Now, I never got used to Aunt Gladys kissing me on the lips. I much preferred Aunt Martha who just hugged me. Or my Uncle Chuck, who would just pat me on the shoulder. Or even my brother Tom, who, as I said, 14 years older than me, when I was a little kid, you know, he'd throw me up in the air, he'd catch me, he'd hold me close to his chest. In fact, when I was a baby, supposedly, my brother Tom and his friend Don Nicholson used to throw me across the room to each other, you know, and I would laugh and giggle. And Nancy said, that explains a lot. Um, and, you know, I, Tom swears he never dropped me. But I, I don't remember. <laughs> Either way, I probably wouldn't, right? So anyway, the point is, physical touch can be such a blessing, such a gift. And we have so many different ways of expressing love to others through that vehicle. And here's the amazing, incredible thing. When Jesus reached out his hand and touched him, and think about this. When a leper touched someone, that person became unclean. But when Jesus touched the leper, the leper became clean. That's what the gift of touch can do when used appropriately. When used inappropriately, the gift of touch can, can hurt. It can leave scars that last a lifetime. But when it's used appropriately, it can bring life and health and wholeness. So how have you stewarded or managed the gift of touch in your life? How are you reaching out to those who the culture would say are unclean, the people who are outside of the camp, outside of the church, outside of the, the reach of people because they have a label that somebody put on them so that nobody will touch them? Sexuality, it's a, sort of an interesting thing here in 2020. We're so fearful to touch other people physically because the gift of sexuality has been so misused and so abused in this culture. And so we don't want to have anything that we do with a physical touch be misinterpreted, right? Because our sexual parts and our caring parts are together. Many people today won't offer anything more than a polite handshake when they meet somebody. And there's nothing wrong with a polite handshake. Trust me, that's, that's fine. But we were created by God with the ability to produce miracles in others simply by touching them, by letting them know they're not clean. Uh, yeah, not unclean, by letting them know that they are clean. Yesterday, I had the opportunity to go to the food kitchen down in uh, East Liberty with uh, some 12th grade boys in our small group. And there was a guy, actually, somebody said, uh, that's that guy over there? And I saw this guy over there. And he was sitting at a table, and I walked over, and he said, are you a pastor? I said, yes, I'm a pastor. And, and he told me his name. His name's Robert, you know. And I said, well, what can I do for you, Robert? And he said, well, I have some problems. I need you to pray for me. So before I prayed for him, I, I reached my hand and just put it on his shoulder. And you know what happened? His head turned to my hand. And I think he was going, huh, that's pretty cool. I just asked you to pray for me, but you're actually acknowledging I'm a person. And we prayed for Robert's needs. And it was a really special, I would even say holy moment. And, and that's what can happen when we use the gift of touch in appropriate ways. So when we do that, 
we remind people that they are God's masterpiece. Remember, Pastor Alex told us that a couple weeks ago. It's in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. You are God's masterpiece. I am God's masterpiece. But so are the people on the fringes of our culture who nobody touches, who nobody wants to be near, who nobody wants to be by. And, and I think about, a lot of times I think about the events that happen in the scriptures and this incident. We don't know for sure what happened when Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. We don't know what happened. But this is what I picture in my mind. I picture the man looking at Jesus' hand on his. And then I picture him looking up in Jesus' eyes. And I picture him saying, thank you. Thank you for recognizing that I'm a person. Because nobody has done that for a really long time. And I don't know whether that's what actually happened. But I do know what did happen. Because the scripture tells us what happened is Jesus said, don't you tell anybody. You go and show the priest, you know, that you're healed. Give him the sacrifice that's required for healing of leprosy. But please don't tell anybody. And the guy goes, yeah, right. So here's actually it says, the man went and spread the word proclaiming to everyone what had happened. You see, when Jesus touches us, we want to everyone to know. When Jesus touches you and me, we want people to know. We want to tell people about it. We want to share it with other people. One of my favorite images of the church in the scriptures is the body of Jesus Christ. We are the body of Jesus. What does that mean? It means that we get to touch people in the name of Jesus. And so it's challenging to be generous with the gift of touch because we never, we represent Jesus and we never want to misrepresent Jesus as we do that. We always want to use the gift of touch to express his love and care to others. But we have to use the gift. Otherwise, those who stand outside of the town, outside of the community, outside of the church are never going to experience the love and care of Jesus in their lives. That's why this deserves to be one of the four T's in the whole generosity aspect of our lives as Jesus' followers. So the man who was touched by Jesus was never the same. He went and told everybody. What about you? Has Jesus touched you? Has he put his hand on you and said, I'm willing, be clean? In your life, do you know that whatever it was, whether it was sin or something else, some, some kind of thing that was going on in your life, and Jesus touched you, and he changed you from the inside out? That man was healed of his physical disease of leprosy. In fact, Jesus has a lot of titles in the New Testament. And two of those titles are Savior and Lord. The man was saved from leprosy. I mean, he was saved from a, a very painful, agonizing death. And, and, and Jesus showed that day that he's Lord over disease. He's Lord over everything, so he's certainly Lord over disease. And, and has Jesus' ownership in your life been received by you. Have you said, Jesus, I want you to be my Lord. I want you to be my Savior. What I want to do right now is I want you to look at a prayer. It's going to be up on the screen. It's a little different. I always tailor the prayer. It's not the same every time. Some people have to say you have to pray a certain prayer. There's not a certain prayer. But this prayer has to do with touch and has to do with healing. It says this, Lord Jesus, I need your touch. I need you to be Savior and Lord in my life. Savior again. Save us from sin and death. Lord means owner. Please come in and make me whole. Fill me with your Holy Spirit that I might know the power of the new life you alone can give. This I ask in your name, Jesus. Amen. So if you want Jesus' touch in your life, you're watching online, you're here this morning, and you never received it, then pray that prayer with me. Or maybe you have received it, but you just need to remind yourself that you have it. You can pray it out loud with us too. Lord Jesus, I need your touch. I need you to be Savior and Lord in my life. Please come in and make me whole. Fill me with your Holy Spirit that I might know the power of the new life you alone can give. 
This I ask in your name, Jesus. Amen. So every person who trusts Jesus as Savior and Lord is part of his body, the church. And that means that we get to do this next step, which is listed, you know, it's going to be up on the screen. It's in your outline. I will offer God the full use of appropriate touch in my life this week. So that might mean reaching out your hand and shaking the hand of a stranger. It might mean offering a smile or a hug. Please, 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 unless you're Aunt Gladys, don't let it be grabbing somebody by the cheeks and kiss them on the lips. Okay? Please don't. How we use the gift of our, of our touch in our lives can determine whether someone experiences Jesus' love in theirs. It's that crucial. Let's use the gift the way Jesus does to make people know of his love and of their value. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that Jesus reached out and touched the man. We thank you that Jesus reaches out and touches any man, woman, or child who, who has need. That's all of us. And God, we pray today as, as the body of Jesus Christ, as the church expressed here as New Life Christian Ministries, that we would reach out to one another and we would reach out in this community to those who might be seen as unclean or untouchable. God, we pray that in our daily lives that we would experience the wholeness that comes from your touch and that we would share it in a way that shows love and care with our family, our friends, those with whom we go to school and those where we work. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.